Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show, House of the Dragon? Hello everyone, welcome to House of Fire and Blood. My name is Caroline and my pronouns are she, her, and I'm here today with Gretchen. Hey everyone, this is Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns, because what is gender? What What is gender? <laughs> that, that, is, that is the reigning question of my life. Uh, and we are talking about the long reign of Jaehaerys and Alysanne today. So we're just starting this chapter, mm-hmm. Long Reign of Jaehaerys and Alysanne, part one. We're going from the beginning of the chapter to page 283, I believe, yes. was our cutoff, about yep. towards the end of the page 283, mm-hmm. uh, just after... Um, the little girl says she wants to work in the kitchens because that's where they keep the bread. And that's like the most logical decision anyone's made in this story ever. Right. Um, yeah. The first time anyone has been like, okay, I'm thinking through my options and yeah. this is the best option for me. Yeah. I would like to eat the food during the time in which there is a famine. Uh-huh. Um, yep. So let's get into the high level summary of what happens. You want to start? You want to go ahead? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> we start this chapter three years after Alyssa Farman left Old Town. Mm-hmm. And one of the three ships that left, because remember there were three ships, uh, Alyssa was sailing the Sun Chaser, Eustace Hightower is in charge of the Lady Meredith, and then his brother Norman is in charge of the August Moon. So this is three years later, and August Moon, captained by Sir Eustace Hightower, comes limping back. <laughs> Wait, is it August? I thought it was Autumn Moon. Sorry. Autumn Moon, yeah, you're right. Not Autumn August. Moon. I thought Autumn. that the Autumn Moon, no, Autumn Moon founders. Yeah, Autumn Moon is the one that sinks on this voyage. Yeah. So Lady Meredith comes limping back to Old Town. Yep. Um, and, and everyone's like, whoa, you have brown people on that ship. Where yeah. You must have been to really crazy places. And he's like, nah, we were just at Sothorios. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, Sothorios is a real crazy place. But, yeah. Uh, they stop by the Summer Isles to get... You know, to get a crew. Yeah. Um, so the tale he tells, it's uh, not not so bad as what happens to Arya and Beleriand and their little adventure across the sea, mm-hmm. but um, it's it still kind of sucks. I mean, the ocean's big and scary. I think that's the theme of this section. Right. Um, <laughs> and I love it to pieces because I love me some pirates and some ships. But basically, yeah, he's like, we went sailing. We struck out. So if you think about the map that we have of Plantos so far, which is very limited, and we could talk about that more analysis for sure, mm-hmm. um, they strike out south by southwest off, uh, you know, from Old Town. So they pass the arbor, and then they just keep going south by southwest in that direction. Mm-hmm. And they've got smooth sailing for a good amount of time. They all drink wine, and they're like, woo, it's been 14 days, and we're not dead yet. Yay. And then, whoopsie doodle, wouldn't you know, a storm happens in the middle of the sea. Mm-hmm. And that is when Autumn Moon is just swallowed by the waves and or a kraken yeah yeah maybe who knows um that's the sailors seem to think it was a kraken yes um, they, the the captain though is like no it was definitely just a wave definitely just a wave um so yeah uh Alyssa farman discovers three islands uninhabited mm-hmm. but um well stocked a nice little pantry mm-hmm. um uh, that, of course, she names Aegon Visenya and Rhaenys. <laughs> I'm sure the biggest one was named Aegon. Uh-huh. It actually would be funny if she named the biggest one Visenya. <laughs> She's like, oh, I know what's what. <laughs> I know who's really in charge. Uh, 
Or she named uh, the smallest one egg on them. Be kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> she might do that. Come to think of it, Alyssa Farmer was a little sassy. She, she you know, yeah, she dated Raina. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, then uh, Alyssa wants to keep sailing west, and Eustace Hightower's like, "No thanks, my brother just got, you know, his boat got destroyed by a giant wave and or kraken. So I mm-hmm. would like to head home, please. He's done. Yeah." And Eustace is like, look, bro, we discovered land further than anyone else. There's, like, new food here that we've never eaten. There's, like, cool spices and shit. Like, this is a discovery in and of itself. Uh-huh. Let's go back. Yep. And honestly, he's not wrong. Nope. You know? Uh-huh. But Alice is like, no. Or Alyssa is like, no, we have to keep... I have a magical journey to go on. I have to continue west. Yep. And they separate. So the sun chaser disappears onto over the western horizon. And uh, Eustace heads back east. Uh, you yeah. want to talk about where the Sun Chaser potentially ends up? Um, maybe in a shy. Maybe in a shy. We will talk theories when we get there. Yeah, we but uh, all the text, all the text tells us is that Coros Valerian, when he's doing his like, he does like a bunch of voyages, which the, the story alludes to here, but we'll get to in later chapters. Um, one of the times. He's in a shy. Uh, he sees a boat that he later describes as a boat that could have only been the Sun Chaser, given the way that it looked. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, fucking tell me what happened, George. God damn it. Right. Right. I just yeah. want to know. I just want to know. I, yes, I need to know. Yeah. Um, need to know what happened to Alyssa. Uh, but we do know what happened to Eustace is that they tried to sail for the Summer Isles and ended up in Sithorios, which uh, mm-hmm. sounds absolutely fucking terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Well, not a place for... I want a vacation. Yeah, definitely for the white Western guys who did not know what was up. They were like, there's like wyverns there. Ah, put, yeah. Put a pin in that. There's like basilisks. There's like big lizards and shit. There's like a lot of disease. They keep getting sick. Yep. Um, And it, they were there for like a year. Mm-hmm. Like putting the ship back together. Oh, did you see the freaking Moby Dick reference in here that George put okay, in? Okay, I'm glad that you caught that too. Because I was like, a white whale, a white, a white whale. Not a white, not a whale, a leviathan. Come on, it was a leviathan. Was, yes, which is a whale, according really to George. Fine. But yeah, yes, a giant white bull leviathan cracks the hull of the ship, and I was like, yes, okay, it's so a, it gets it, it, George. On bottom of 277, a few days later, they encountered the, the ship, encountered a pot of leviathans. One of them, a huge white bull, larger than a ship, had slammed into Lady Meredith of a purpose and cracked her hull. Mm-hmm. I fucking get it, George. Yeah, it's Moby Dick. <laughs> you, you get it? It's a fucking reference. Mm-hmm. He's, like, it's typing a- on his he's typing on his computer going, like, click, 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 Maybe if I call them leviathans, they won't get it. Is it magic or did we trick you? <laughs> Leviathans. <laughs> right. It's like if you call it Krakens, people will think it's special and not like giant squid. Right. Exactly. Uh, uh, so then, yeah. So they end up, they do end up getting back to uh, King's Landing. Um, barely. Yep. There are, some, there are some holes in the story that we'll come back to. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder if there's more to what happened to Eustace than he said. Mm-hmm. Maybe, um, maybe there is. Well, uh, well, uh, maybe. Yeah. Meanwhile, winter is coming to Westeros, and it's what also are not the... great there. So we we started with the question, "What is gender?" The other question is, "What are the seasons?" Because this the text here is specific, and we can talk about this more analysis. But I want to phrase it here. 
The text here specifically describes that the winter of 59 to 60 AC is rough. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I thought winter lasted many years. What? What are we? What are we doing? I think you know? it can. I think it varies. Like sometimes you can have a winter know. that lasts like many years, and sometimes you have a winter that's only like a a short period of time, like a regular winter. I don't know, listeners. If you guys have theories about this, feel free to email us because I'm curious what you guys think. Because mm-hmm. I, I and I was, this is part of like my I've been rereading. I'm in the Dance of Dragons now, um, and I'm going to go ahead and read the World of Ice and Fire again when. I'm done with Dance of Dragons. I've been trying to understand the seasons shit, and it is unclear to me, at least in the text, yeah. what exactly is going on. Uh, so anybody's ideas. But we could also talk about that more in, in analysis. Yeah. Um, but winter's there, and then uh, the shivers yeah. come. Yeah, the shivers mm. come. Uh, there's pretty big famine, drought. Mm. Like, um, the cost of food is going up. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah and then... Uh, Probably because everyone is malnourished. If they're not getting enough food, then uh, the disease causes the shivers. Is what... You know what's so weird about this section, Gretchen? What? The whole time that bad stuff's happening, they don't mention King Jaehaerys or Queen Alicent. It's so weird. It's so weird. So weird that they're not, like, getting blamed. I'm surprised it's not their fault because I thought yeah. the king... The king did all the things yeah right? I, I thought when yeah. bad things happened it was because the king was bad right exactly you know he knew the shivers were in like the uh the islands those eastern islands that the eastern part of westeros why didn't he like close the ports mm-hmm. so that they didn't it didn't come to king's landing i don't know they, they didn't practice quarantining and yeah they didn't nobody quarantined they didn't believe in masks <laughs> i mean they probably didn't because i don't know how would they have known to believe yeah exactly that they genuinely wouldn't have known also, um, it's not clear how this disease spreads. I will say that. It sounds like a flu. We can talk more about that, but it sounds like a flu. Yep. Um, so a lot of people die. Like, a lot hella people. of people. Think, does our girl die? Lady Lucinda? Is she one Yes. Of I know. Rip. I was so sad. Lady Lucinda, Grandmaster Benefer. Benefer dies, yeah. A bunch of lords. Like, the that... Uh, Magor's master, like oh, and well, Celtigar, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this it's like a pretty bad sickness. Um, mm-hmm. where it says like, um, death came within a day, and no more than one victim in every five recovered. That's like a pretty big pandemic. That's, yeah, that's like really deadly. That's exceptionally deadly. Like a, a four out of five death rate. Holy shit! Eighty percent death rate. Yeah, yeah. If you catch it, that's and you know, that's you know who gets you know who gets sick. They recover, but you know who gets sick? Um, not um, Baratheon, but the kids, his yeah. children by his 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 half Targaryen children by Alyssa. Oh, I guess she's Valerian. She's Valerian, yeah. Oh, so they don't they don't have the magic blood. They don't have so no. they could get sick. They got better though. Yeah, like it's it's not of any note that that yeah. the Valerians get sick. Yeah, exactly. Um, so Damon, Damon dies. Our our pal Damon no, Valerian, no. hand of the king. No, no, no. Damon Valerian doesn't die. He gets sick, but he recovers. Oh yeah, he he recovers, but his second son. His he he loses his son and three of his daughters. Four kids. Like holy shit. Jesus. It is it is ripping through. Uh, it is just ripping through Westeros, and um, this is why modern medicine, sanitation, and vaccinations are so important. Everyone go get vaccinated for the flu. Mm-hmm. Anyway. I agree. Um, that was my PSA. Um, 
So yeah, it's uh, pretty bad. Uh, of King's Landing is suffering in a way that we have seen before, where there's high bread prices, mm-hmm. lots of pressures, people have a little baby riot where mm-hmm. they murder a dude, and it's rego dress. It is rego dress. Kudos to the text, though, because the text says... Um, uh, at the top of 282, it says, Amidst the chaos, his grace would lose another of his lords, not to the shivers, but to ignorance and hate. Kudos to the maester for being like, they were being racist. They yeah. were being racist. They were what being racist. You? Yeah, because the, the uh, small folk see him. First of all, I mean, they're mad because they're hungry and poor and they see him going by and he's like super rich pal- paloquin or litter or whatever he's in. Um, uh-huh. And they're like, fuck you. Like, eat, they're like, eat the rich, you know, almost yeah. literally. Uh-huh. Um, which, like, I sympathize with. But then they're like, oh, he's Pentoshi. Yeah. He's the one, like, his people brought the shivers here. Like, it's him. Yeah. And, like, there had been animosity about him anyway being foreign. So this mm-hmm. is kind of all built up from that. Yeah. And is definitely an element of this. And I'm glad that the maester recognized that. Mm-hmm. Because Rico Dries didn't do anything wrong. No, he didn't he do anything just, wrong. Yeah, they they blamed him because he's the master of coin for, like, the cost of food. And, like, it's not really his fault. Cost of food is not his fault. No, it's Um, not. So, yeah. And then uh, Jaehaerys decides to be not very conciliatory. Oh, he does, like, the most violent shit he's done so far. I love it. He pulls a little (laughs) bit of a Magor. He taps Mm -hmm. into his uncle a little bit um, in response to Regodraz being murdered. And, um... That was one of those where I was like, oh, interesting that Jaehaerys gets pretty brutal here and it sure doesn't impact his reputation. In- interesting. No. Hmm. Yeah. Hmm. So the, there's uh when he comes upon the body, he's like, who the fuck did this? Give me fucking names. And this little girl comes forward and she's like, I know where they are. Uh-huh. And she like points them out. She f- helps them find them, and they they have like his. They had stolen Rego Draz's rings. He wore a lot of yep. rings and all those things. So they find the culprits because they find them with their rings, mm-hmm. and uh, they Jaharis disembowels them and hangs them from like the castle walls. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And some of them even try and plead the black, and he's like, "No, no. The men of the Night's Watch are honorable, and you're not. So you don't even get to go there." Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His BFF Rego Draz has he had to avenge him. Yep. Um, yeah, and then the little girl goes into the kitchens. Yeah, Allison uh, gives her a bath, burns her clothing. <laughs> she doesn't mm-hmm. even try to clean it. Straight up burns it. Shaves the kid's head. Because I'm not sure she had, like, lice or something. Mm-hmm. And Allison's like, okay, cool. You did, like, a really good thing by telling us about that. Um, do you want to, like, go back to your family? Like, do you have, like, a dad? And she's like, yeah, he's one of the ones who killed uh, and, and Alice is like, ooh, do you want to go somewhere else? And the girl's like, yeah, and the, the kitchen sounds great. That's where there's food. And she's like, okay, you go. Yep, yep, yep. Go work in the kitchens. Yeah, exactly. See, this would be, that would be a really interesting point of view. Like, if you were ever to write, like, a point of view novel about mm-hmm. Jaharis and Alisan, she would be a really interesting point of view character. Yeah. You know, that would be, I would love to see. Because I'm like, I'm assuming she stays in the kitchens and she grows up there. Mm-hmm. And she gets to see the long reign, you know? Yeah. Because if she's a kid when they're in their, like, mid-20s, she'll get to see, yeah. you know, she, the entirety Yeah, she very it. likely survived to the, to the end. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It'll be fun. Uh-huh. Oh, I just want more of these, HBO, please. <laughs> yes. For real. For real. Um, 
I was thinking of that in the first part of the section that was all about Alyssa Farman slash Alice Westhill. I was oh. like, dude, just give me this. Give me just this. this. Uh, we already, HBO, we have the name already. It's called Fair Winds. It's the story of Alyssa Farman. Mm-hmm. And you can include the rain a bit. Yep. In there. So we get your dragon queen girlfriend situation. But then you can like come up with the you well, I don't come up with it. Ask George what happens, because I'm sure he knows. And then do that, but then tell me, because I wanna know. Mm-hmm. I wanna know so bad. Yeah. I just I just reread last night in A Dance with Dragons the encounter between Daenerys and Quaith at, in the in her pool when she gives yeah. her the prophecy about like the mummer's dragon and the sun's sun and stuff like that. It's uh-huh. like, oh, my face is melting with desire to know what this means. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just want it. Anyway, <laughs> on to analysis. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, there's not so much to unpack here in terms of maester bias. This is like one of the, the most neutral sections that we've read so far. I honestly think the bias is the lack of bias. Yeah. Is the fact... Like, the, the bias is the lack of mentioning Jaehaerys and Alysanne and, like, the crown, Ooh, you yeah. know, amongst these disasters, Yeah, you know? It wasn't, like, like, like for example, the fact that um, Eustace went through all this, like, trauma of this horrible voyage and that, like, the sun chaser is gone and the other, sh- the autumn moon was foundered and all those men died, that all happened because under Jaehaerys's watch... Alyssa Farman stole three dragon eggs and disappeared. Mm-hmm. You know? So it's like, you could easily blame that on the king without even making it too much of a stretch. Right. That, right. like, he couldn't snatch her up. He couldn't, yeah. like, his informants he... couldn't snatch her before she could leave. He failed to find her. Yeah. yeah. But fucking nothing. Nothing mm-hmm. about that, you know? And nothing about this hard winter or the shivers is blamed right. on him where like you just know having read this that like the maester would absolutely blame this on Magor if this oh, happened under Magor's reign or Aenys mm-hmm Aenys exactly and the thing about the shivers is like it traveled geographically yep um so it started I'm trying to figure find out where it started they, they thought it was maybe from rats Also, the fact that there is famine, it's like, you know when winter is coming, mm-hmm. right? Like, did you not prep? What about all of the beautiful bounty and stuff that we had? I thought we had all this extra prosperity occurring. Did we yeah. not save any of it? Well, it mentions that, like, Lord Stark, that Alaric Stark had commanded that half of every harvest be preserved and put aside against mm-hmm. the winter. But, and then it says not all his bannermen had obeyed. And I would imagine that, like, if you're not in the north, you'd be even less likely to do that shit. Like, right? Yeah, exactly. And it sounds like it's not like it's not like Jaharis had, which you're right. That's a bias to say like Jaharis didn't. We know that that Alaric Stark told people to set aside stuff for the winter, mm-hmm. but uh, Jaharis didn't. Jaharis, he was not telling people that they need to be storing food. Because I feel like if he had, we would have gotten the same kind of commentary that we get oh, from absolutely. Alaric Stark. Like, absolutely. Oh, yes, the wisest, bestest boy king told people that they need to save food, and then they didn't. So, like, oh, that's kind of on them. Mm-hmm. But like, exactly. We, but the bestest boy king didn't do that. He didn't tell people they need to save for winter. They didn't even think about it. I mean, no. I think one of the things that, that George R. R. Martin does really well in all of the novels is people make fun of how much he describes food in uh-huh. the text. Which, like, maybe sometimes is a little overboard. Uh-huh. Uh, but you look at these lavish meals, you know, meals of, like, swan 
that like Cersei is eating mm-hmm. in the Red Keep. And meanwhile, you know people are starving in the streets. Like that's for a purpose. Mm-hmm. That's like to highlight that classism and like how feudalism yes. is bad. Yep. And this is kind of the the con the um not the concept. What, what word am I thinking? Consequence. There we go. Yeah. This is kind of the consequence of that. Like if you're always eating well and food is never Jaharis has never been in a position or Allison where like they didn't have food. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. You know, if that's never been a thought of yours, then you don't think about you, you don't even think it like this doesn't cross your mind. It's like a disconnect. They don't have that. So I think I think absenting them from most of this ten pages, I mean they only come up with regard to Rego Draz. Right. Absenting them from this is the bias. Yeah. Including with the shivers, because in the shivers, so I found the passage, it's on page two eighty. Um even before King's Landing, the islands off the Crown Lands felt the chill. Edward Celtigar uh, was one of the first to die. Um, his son followed him and their children, then on Dragonstone, then on Driftmark, then to King's Landing. So it traveled. Mm-hmm. And they certainly know enough to know that disease is communicable. Yeah. You know? They might not understand, like, you know, germs in the air or viruses or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but... When there was a disease on Dragonstone, or they thought there was a disease on Dragonstone, what did Reyna Targaryen do? Close the ports immediately. Yeah. Right? That's a really good comparison. Because we know that, like, and that, at that point, it wasn't even a communicable disease. She just thought it was. She was worried right. that a disease was going on. And it's all right, all right, we got we to gotta quarantine. We got to shut this shit down mm-hmm. so that, like, other people don't get sick. And yeah, so they have right. some. They have some concept of knowing that they can stop the spread by stopping contact. Mm-hmm. And if it started on the islands, on, uh, in the crown lands, they could they could have, you know, quarantined more or less. Yeah. And said, you know, the ports are closed. Yeah. Like in King's Landing, like no no ships for like the next thirty days mm-hmm. until we hear that the shivers are gone. You know, and yep. if they just communicate by Raven, then they're not you know, spreading, spreading it or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. it could have been stopped. Yep. This is like how New Zealand stopped COVID. It's exactly the same yeah, thing. Yeah, just shut down. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And they, di- and they didn't. And the maester doesn't give them any flack for that. That's a, such over. a good point. Yeah. yeah. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. That, the, yeah. like, the bias is the lack of commentary. The lack of... The way that Jaharis and Alisane are so conveniently absented from these events is is the bias that they he can't bring himself to blame them. Mm-hmm. These well, are crazy. this is just things that happen, you know. Sometimes just yeah. shit happens. And it's like, oh, now, now you know how to mm-hmm. recognize that sometimes shit just happens. Well, I mean, the, it was so weird too. It's like jarring to start a chapter titled Jaharis and Alisane Policy Progeny and Pain. Uh huh. You know, the long reign, and then. The first 10 pages have almost nothing to do with them. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Like, I was, gen- I was like, confused. I was glad we read this part because I love this section of the story. But I was like, wait, does this have... I'm like, Are we- am I reading the right section? Like, this is the... Because we were just on... We were just on Jaharis and Allison doing stuff. And aren't we going to talk about their kids? And it's like, there's this whole section where it's like... Uh-huh. It's like they don't exist. Yeah. 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 Right. Yes. So you um, want to talk about what actually happened? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about what happened in uh, with Eustace, with Eustace yes. and all of the ships and Alice, uh, Alice Westhill slash Alyssa Farman. Yes, uh, I'm I'm curious about some of your notes that you have here. Meat crawling with maggots. What does that sound like? What is what does that? Sound like? It's area. 
Oh, oh my god. Oh, what a great visual comparison. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Uh-huh. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's a, and it's a bad omen. Yep. Or they, they take it as a bad yeah, omen. Yeah, they take I mean, it as a bad omen that they find um that they find maggots in their meat. Um, mm-hmm. it's just one of those cause when, when we talked about that section with, with area, we're not going to, we're not going to tread ground on that again. You can go back and mm-hmm. listen to that episode. But when we talked about that, that like there is an earlier section where it seems to be kind of putting Alyssa Farman's journey and area Targaryen's journey and Balerian kind of next to each other as if yeah. they're meant to be like read together. Mm-hmm. And we're, I feel like we're getting more of that because we're getting some of the symbolism yeah. from area's story is like showing up again in mm-hmm. Alyssa Farman's story and I think that's meant to like make us think of like again we're supposed to be putting these ideas in parallel of like going out into the world in search of knowledge of some kind like has dangers and there might be consequences mm-hmm. either for yourself or for the people around you mm-hmm. when you like pursue knowledge knowing that it could be dangerous because that's the yeah. other thing is that like Eustace is telling her like hey, this is fine. I feel like we've maybe done enough exploring. And she's like, nope, I want to keep doing more. Like, yep. and so far as we know, nothing bad happens to Alyssa Farman, but like bad shit happens to all of the other people who are going on this trip. And see, if like, if you're adapting this kind of story to the screen, I think like Alyssa Farman's, like if you're going to like make this like a TV show, you could do it in a multi-season way. Um, mm-hmm. Not like, you know, many dozens of seasons or anything like that. It's not that long. But you you could in a few episodes parallel Alyssa and Arya's stories mm-hmm. and show these kind of things and sort of use Arya's story as a foreshadowing yeah. depending on whatever happens to Alyssa. Like mm-hmm. the fact matters we don't know in text what happens to her, but these sorts of sim- symbols, metaphors, parallels could be even more um, elucidating if, you know, depending on how you write that second half of like where she ends up mm-hmm. and what she interacts with you know, maybe some of her journey is similar to Arya's journey when she was in Essos, mm-hmm. um, you know, and it could just be so, it could be so good. I love it. You really got me on this, um, this visual. Uh-huh. I, when you first told me this, like, fuck, probably fucking years ago, I was, like, suspicious. I was like, I don't know, but you really got me on this. The concept of, like, worms. Yep in bodies being similar to like the roots of the weirwood uh-huh and yep. then like here we have like maggots in the meat and it's like yeah they all are kind of like something like white and and sort of shaped like a snake mm-hmm. snake a snake, snake um in like in something and kind of devouring it slowly like there there is that parallel there like visually it's very like like the imagery is wonderful, and uh-huh. like the additional layers of metaphor are wonderful. So you, yep. you got me on you got me on that. Gretchen. Good, you got me good. On that. <laughs> I'll give you another one. Yes, <laughs> when when Eustace uh, Hightower is talking about Sothorios, there are um, drinking salt water will make a man mad. Every sailor knows, but the fresh water is no safer in that place. There are worms in it, almost mm-hmm. too small to see. If you swallowed them, they laid their eggs inside you. And the fevers, hardly a day went by when my men were fit to work. Yep. That's another, that's that same imagery of like, you got little worms worms inside you and they give you fevers and like they Mm -hmm. make you sick and they're consuming you from the inside. And yep. 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 I kind of, okay, wait, I'm going to try to do big brain because I just kind of had this idea and I'm going to talk it out. Uh huh. I I, I need like a hit of like some of the devil's lettuce in the big brain (laughs) moment. Um, 
I kind of love that. So I like these parallels. And my question is, what is that teaching us? What is that telling us about the bigger story? Mm-hmm. Well, the, the thing that's unique about this universe is dragons, right? Yeah. And we've posited before that dragons are potentially related to worms. Mm-hmm. Wor- worms. 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 And they're, <laughs> they're visually, therefore, related to worms. Worms. Mm-hmm. Um, and... And those kind of visually related to the roots of the tree and like this consumption kind of concept. Uh-huh. And I wonder if it's like the dragons, the large dragons that people ride are also consuming, sometimes physically, literally consuming people, mm-hmm. but metaphorically consuming um, like your humanity. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Because they're so violent. And they allow you to be so, they allow you, to, they're, they're not themselves violent, but dragons allow you to be so violent that your, your human, your humanness, you know, yeah. devolves. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, like. In the same way that like being consumed, like you're being, you're being physically eaten by worms or worms. You're being morally eaten by the yeah, use of violence. Yes. Ooh, I like you see it. what I'm saying? I like yeah. it. And that totally, I think that that works really well because, um. Because Martin is doing the thing about, like, um, the quest for knowledge and the quest for power. Mm-hmm. And, like, oh, dragons yes. are representative of power. And the mm-hmm. weirwoods are representative of, like, like magical knowledge mm-hmm. and a kind of magical power in that way. Like, they like they both have – they're not the same, but they rhyme with each other about, like, yeah. the quest for knowledge can be consuming, um, especially when that knowledge is, like, knowledge that leads to – like using power over other people like a, the kind mm-hmm. of knowledge that is about conquest and power not just mm-hmm. about like scientific knowledge for its own sake but like specifically mm-hmm. like looking for knowledge in order to gain power mm-hmm. and dragons are like quite you know like like much more yeah. directly about huh. power and both yeah i like that you're that you're drawing that that comparison between that like it is about a certain kind of thirst for knowledge or power is consuming yes like it's like he's he's put bringing home that metaphor yeah by giving us these like physical fantasy manifestations fantasy and some realistic there are really worms in real life that mm-hmm. will get in your gut and kill you yeah that happens um parasites he's giving are us real these, folks <laughs> yeah parasites are real um he's he's driving and I, and I love when stories do this i love when fiction does this when they have like a metaphor they want you to understand mm-hmm. and like a like a message but they use the fantasy structure that they have uh-huh. to show it to you yeah and i think that that and that goes along with your whole thing about like the the weirwoods consuming mm-hmm. i'm trying to think more about that like knowledge consuming thing because when i think about the dragons and the power the the way i always viewed it is like we probably shouldn't be using dragons yeah. I think that's fair. I think that's a fair I think that's a really thing. reasonable way to, <laughs> thing to say, Caroline. I think based on the text, dra- dragons probably not good. Uh-huh. And the reason they're not good is because they're so violent. And they lead they lead to so much dehumanization. Because there's a dehumanization of, like, the writer, for example, becoming, like, you know, closer to gods than men. Better uh-huh. than you. Whatever. Like, not a, not a person. They're, like... Ma- they're magic, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the use of the power to dehumanize others, mm-hmm. to put people down, mm-hmm. and to separate people, right? Yeah. Um, and, huh. 
And I think knowledge can follow a similar trajectory mm -hmm. if it's used in the same kind of way, mm -hmm. I guess would be the best way to say it. Right. But I could definitely see, I see what you mean about that they rhyme with each other. They're, mm -hmm. they're like coalescing metaphorical concepts. Yep. And like this, this touches on a lot of, I think Martin is drawing this kind of ambivalence about knowledge because it's kind of what we're talking mm -hmm. about, that like knowledge isn't inherently bad, but it is dangerous and there's like a kind of ambivalence about it. Mm -hmm. um, has that like, there are a lot of human mythologies that feel that same ambivalence about it. Um, yeah. Like the biblical story has the tree of knowledge of good and evil, which is actually just straight up bad mm -hmm. um in greek mythology you have um prometheus stealing fire from the gods um yep. and fire there is representative of like technology and modernity you know and culture mm -hmm. and knowledge and like that is a, that one's ambivalent like it's both it's good for humanity but like prometheus is also punished for that mm -hmm. in the sense of like maybe there's something and like, like behind all of this is like maybe there is some knowledge that that humans shouldn't have. Like, a, like a, it's mm -hmm. a kind of fear of technology that a knowledge that like maybe there should be limits to what humans can know, and that if we try and move beyond that, it will be dangerous to us, and we will end mm -hmm. up destroying ourselves. And in that sense, I think you're right that like that's where dragons come in. Is like dragons are like the embodiment of like the thing that we sh probably shouldn't have yeah that, like, is too big for us and is too big and too dangerous and it, it is it is a kind of technology that humans should not have access to mm -hmm. and i think martin, uh, and that, martin is kind of playing in that ambivalent space of like maybe there should be like limits to what human beings pursue yes and i think that fits really well into his other like overarching structure of this which is that the point of view determines how what the morality of things mm -hmm. because the dragons are really easy to compare to the atomic bombs yes yeah because same same concept too much knowledge shouldn't have done that yep big big no mm -hmm. but historically people do their fucking best to justify that because the united states won that war mm -hmm. right and uh if anyone's ever in japan go to hiroshima and go to the hiroshima atomic bomb memorial i went there when i was uh, in college and it is like the the most single most impactful museum I've ever been to. It was a hundred percent wrong, a hundred percent wrong in every possible thought process for the United States to drop those atomic bombs on mm -hmm. Japan. A hundred percent wrong. Yeah. It also, just practically speaking, was not necessary. Japan was on the verge of submitting. Mm -hmm. um, there was a top general. There's a really good book on this called Super Fortress. If anybody wants to read it, there was a top general at the time who did not know about the bombs and was asked what he thought the war would end, and he said September first. The bombs were dropped in August. So it was totally unnecessary. Mm -hmm. It was like boys with toys. We want to try it out kind of stuff. Yep. Um, and if you think about the dragons as kind of like a fictionalized fantasy, you know, WMD situation, mm -hmm. then I think all of these like themes about how much knowledge is, is okay, mm -hmm. you know, this ambivalence about it are really important and really that's like the really important question to ask because we have in human history gone too far uh -huh. on more than one occasion right. and we need to temper ourselves in that um at the same time we need to have enough knowledge to do good things like jaharis should have had enough knowledge to close king Land king's landing's port 
right, right, right. Like, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> when you put these things next to each other, you're like, which knowledge is more important? Like, right. Yeah. Is it better to have dragons or to know how to successfully contain a, a highly infectious, you know, highly deadly disease? I'm like, ah, mm-hmm. I know where I land. Like, yeah. <laughs> Um, and that's interesting because I, because I feel like, I mean, we can move on after this, but like, I want to tie that to what you were just saying about the weirwoods that like, he does similar things with the weirwoods, but it's subtler. Um, Mm -hmm. with the weirwoods is more about the cost of gaining access to it, to gaining access to that knowledge should be a sign that maybe this is beyond what we should have. And he can't really Mm -hmm. do that storyline with the dragons because the dragons already exist. Um, Mm -hmm. but he, I mean, you can see little bits and pieces of it as like, what was the cost to gain Danny's three dragons? How many people had to die? A lot. A lot of people had to die for A her lot. to gain those dragons. And like, mm-hmm. if that's the cost, should we be? You know, and like mm-hmm. the hints we get about where dragons come from in Valyria is like, there seems to be a really heavy human toll. Mm-hmm. And like that, those are the things that like, those are the kinds of things that Martin plants to be like, what is the cost of gaining it? And when you mm-hmm. start looking at the cost of gaining a particular knowledge that should be a sign that maybe we shouldn't go there. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. he does that with the weirwoods with the cannibalism. How much yeah. cannibalism is tied to Bran's story in particular. That, like, I personally am a believer in Jojen Pace. Oh, absolutely. 100% <laughs> yeah. believe in Jojen Pace. Like, it sucks. But, like, that's the mm. thing. That's part of sweet, what Martin's sweet doing. Sweet, magic blood. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> like, and you were asking me about... um the uh where like the meat comes you know or what happens to the night night's watchmen and like where the meat comes oh, from oh yeah yeah but yeah. there's that whole thing where like um mira and jojen and bran are still on the road they haven't yet gotten to um blood raven's cave yet because it's blood raven mm-hmm. i'm sorry um <laughs> clearly, clearly Lord um it's, it's a thousand eyes and one he's been there for a thousand years gretchen yeah. didn't you watch the show <laughs> uh, Remember the bad show? A Thousand Eyes and Two. Uh, a Thousand Eyes and Two. <laughs> um, but yeah, they're on the way to the cave and we get these two chapters that are like juxtaposed next to each other where like we know that some of the some of the mutineers at Craster's had like tried to head south to the wall mm-hmm. and then like Cold Hands like disappears for a while, like leaves the like the party going north and then shows up and is like, here, meat, eat it. Here's He's some like, meat I found for a, you. I found a pig. And you're and like, no, you didn't. You just, you killed the Night's Watchmen and you were serving them up to these kids. That's what you yeah. just did. Yeah. Um, and that's, can- you know, like it's cannibalism. Like Martin is like lining Bran's story with like, Jojen Paste is not the first time that Bran has done a cannibalism. Yeah. Um, and I mean, the things Bran does in terms of taking control of Hodor. Yes. And you know, yep. like that, that's. I, and I'm sure as Brand's story continues, we'll get more into that. But, like, that's, like, a really... That's a taboo for a reason. Yep. Yep. You know, we get uh, Varamir Six Skins opening uh-huh. chapter oh, God. for a reason. What a good fucking chapter, mm. yo. What a good it's chapter. so good. Sometime you and I should sit down and we can talk about all the symbolism in the Varamir Six Skins chapter. Because, like... This is Gretchen. This is why my original suggestion for this podcast was to do... The five books, chapter by chapter. I'm just saying, you know, when we're done with this one, if you want to keep going, we could. <laughs> and I can think, I think you can see why I told you that if I did that, like the chapters that I, I would be like, I could talk a lot about Bran. Bran's yeah. like got all the symbol. Anyway, anyway, quest anyway, for knowledge, potentially dangerous, bad shit happens. Like take, Is you it know, bad? 
take into account the human costs um yes. when you're doing about all of this which ties into um the moby dick theme when you mentioned that there's yes. like a moby dick like reference mm-hmm. here like that also is another one of those like i mean moby dick is about a lot of things but one of the things that it is about is like the pursuit of knowledge and like yes. the limits of human knowledge and like that's all that's what this whole Alyssa farman and, like, voyage is and about. Metaf- metaphorically being consumed by an obsession mm-hmm. right oh see the english word consumption like to consume has so many meanings and i love it it's uh-huh. so good right uh, we could use it so much right yeah right. which is which is, okay so which is great i'm glad you brought up consumption because consumption is the name of a disease <laughs> yes tuberculosis tuberculosis is tb and like the shivers mm. is clearly not tb but it has some similarities i don't know they do they do cough up blood. they end up coughing up blood they do cough up blood they just die a lot faster too they just die a lot slower. faster like but it but yeah. it's a wasting disease it's clearly yeah. like like a fever that like you huh. know you get super chilled and you have like a really bad fever and then you end up coughing up blood and you die mm-hmm. um and like we have a story about the pursuit of knowledge that like leads to like a winter sickness mm-hmm. and that ties into the symbolism i was talking about last time about like mm-hmm. you know the that winter that like the others might be a reaction that the mm-hmm. others might be a reaction to someone who was like invading yeah, and pursuing also- knowledge beyond where they should go that like when that like the others are like no you don't belong here get the fuck out Mm-hmm. And so it, other, it makes sense to me. It makes sense to me to have a story about like someone is pursuing knowledge that is clearly dangerous to mm-hmm. the people around them, and then right afterwards you see this like sweeping deadly sickness that is basically everyone gets cold enough to die. I was going to say there's got to be a symbolism with the fact that it's called the shivers. Yeah, and, like, the primary the primary symptom is I feel real cold. Yeah, yeah, like yes, that's. Uh-huh. I mean, that's like it's a symbolic winter. Yeah, exactly. Everyone it's, is dying from uh, a symbolic winter. And, like, it is actually winter in Westeros. And yeah. they're having this, like, disease that is about getting too cold. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, man. I love that. Yeah. Uh, uh, we I also- wanted to talk about the Kraken. Yeah. That Okay, that section. So I do believe there are Krakens in yes. this universe. Uh-huh. I do not believe there's a Kraken here because, um, one, if Eustace had seen it, he would have told us, uh, he does no reason not to tell us. Right. Two, um, so cephalopods in general <laughs> have mm-hmm. copper-based blood. And now, uh, bear with me because I'm digging into knowledge I acquired in college when I was a little obsessed with octopuses. Um, cephalopods in general have copper-based blood, so they have blue blood. It Copper-based blood does not hold oxygen as well as iron-based blood. Mm. So, like, we can live on land and stuff because... There's, we have the right kind of blood for it. If you want to be a big octopus, you need a lot of access to oxygen. The most oxygenated water is deep and cold. Yeah. So in warmer climates, you get smaller octopuses, smaller squid. You get the really cute baby ones. Little tiny ones. The little ones with the, the, the rings. Poke those. That's okay. It'll be good. It'll be fine. Um, so you get the, you get the little ones. You to get the larger sea creatures and the little, particularly larger cephalopods and and octopuses and the, everybody in that family, um, you need to be deeper and colder. So oh. the the area they're in, yeah, it's doesn't all wrong make for sense. It. Yeah, it's all wrong. Up in the north, there's there was um, 
talking about going to the text about a kraken up like north like north of the wall in the ocean like that makes sense that's like the place yeah. they would be but they really probably wouldn't be this far south yeah it makes sense that the iron iron the iron islanders would have mythologies about krakens right because, because they're geographically yeah. a good spot yeah uh-huh. yeah yeah okay yeah that totally makes sense i was just like i yeah i also don't I wasn't thinking about that because that that's great. <laughs> that's great sciencing for. I was like, but I'm like, I'm like, the water's too warm for a crack in here. <laughs> Which like doesn't mean that George couldn't do it, but. Right. <laughs> um, but I do think that what he's doing there is the thing about like, what actually happened matters less than what people believe happened. Yeah, exactly. And so exactly. if if all of the crews believe that it was a crack in, they're not going to want to keep sailing. Yeah. And like exactly. that's what we see that they're like, "Oh shit, that they might have been brought down by a kraken. Maybe we shouldn't maybe we should go home." Mm-hmm. And like that's what matters is that the people believe it was a kraken and are therefore scared and want to go home, whether it's a kraken or not. And I think it's a coping <clears throat> mechanism too because like a storm can happen anywhere in the sea. Mm-hmm. But if you're like, "Well, there's a kraken in this area. So if we leave this area, no more threat." Mm-hmm. You know? Like like all right. I I get it, bro. I get it. Um can we talk about geography? But before we move on, I want to do I want to do one more thing about the symbolism of that whole the whole section with the mm-hmm. with the ship going down, um, mm-hmm. which is long night symbolism. This whole thing okay. is is symbolic of the long night. So, um, we know what the, that like the long night is a thing that happened way back in mm-hmm. in in the past of Westeros. Um, mm-hmm. From bits and pieces that we pick up, it seems like it was some kind of natural disaster. Um. Maybe magically enhanced the way Martin likes to magically enhance things, but it was some kind of natural disaster where like the sun disappeared and like, it doesn't have to be magic. Like things like this have happened in, in earth's history where like a volcano blows up. Um, if a volcano explosion is bad enough, it can cause like, um, nuclear winter, the equivalent of a nuclear winter. Like there was one of these things did happen in, in earth's history where like, um, I mean, is that how the dinosaurs died or that was a meteor? Um, well, there are both, the- like, there are both theories. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a theory that was just a meteor that, like, hit and, like, blew up so much dust. Um, or that a meteor hit and then set off a change of other natural disasters. Mm-hmm. Or there is one theory that it was just a volcanic explosion that was really bad. Because you remember when Reykjavik blew? Like, within the last, like, ten years? Like, there was there was that uh, mountain outside, like, a volcano outside Reykjavik. Oh, yeah, Reykjavik. yeah. Mm-hmm, and, like, it was mm-hmm. super cloudy for a really long time. Mm-hmm. Like... A volcanic eruption can be bad enough that, like, it covers, it creates the conditions such that you have, like, cloud cover for years. Mm-hmm. And in such as you know, in a situation like that, like, a lot of shit dies because you mm-hmm. don't have sunlight. Mm-hmm. Um, so one of the, like, fandom theories that, like, I think is really interesting and I think Martin is playing with here is the idea that, like, the Long Night was an actual, like event and Mm -hmm. that it was probably a natural disaster it could have been like it could be tied to magical events too but that like Mm -hmm. it probably wasn't just like someone turned out the sun magically but it was like there was a natural disaster that may have been caused entirely or partially by magic Mm -hmm. um, but that it created a kind of nuclear winter situation where like it, it was it wasn't like there was literally no sun it was just that, like, there was so much cloud cover because of whatever this disaster was, either meteors 
or volcanic mm-hmm. eruption or some combination of both, kind of like in Earth's history, that, that like it was effectively a nuclear winter. You could not, there was no sunlight. There was so, like the cloud cover was so bad. The ash on the clouds was so bad that like everything died. He, mm-hmm. Like he, human beings had to like hide in caves and, you know, survive in a way that's mm-hmm. very similar to like an event or a couple of events that we know happened geologically in our own Earth history. Um mm-hmm. And you get some of that in this, like, and he has symbolism about, like, how that's caused. Like, in this section, you can see that you have, like, um, there's a theory that it relates to the breaking of the moon. You know, we've talked about, like, I brought up the symbolism that, like, that Planetos may have had two moons and something happened to one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, Because it talks about, like, that, you know, like, the moon broke and poured forth a thousand thousand dragons. You know, moon, moon is... Moon is egg and it cracked. Moon is egg. It is known. It is known. And it cracked and a thousand thousand dragons poured forth. That like there mm-hmm. may have been, this may be like part of that like actual natural disaster. And then when people talk about the long night, they're like mythologizing an actual event. And like coming up with like, a human probably did it because he was a bad person. But like the reality mm-hmm. is, is like maybe, maybe a comet struck the moon, which can be like a non-magical event. And then mm-hmm. part of the moon broke. And meteors rained down on the planet and then created a nuclear winter. And that can be entirely a natural disaster. But, like, if people live during that time or hear about it, you create a mythology about it. Mm-hmm. You tell stories about who might have done it and who broke it and that it was magic and that mm-hmm. it wasn't just a natural disaster. Like the flood. Like, think of it like the flood narrative in right, the Bible. Exactly. Like, I mean, the other question is, like, was it winter everywhere i think one of the interesting things about mm-hmm. Alyssa farman's story is that wherever she sailed assuming she did make it around the world to a shy which is a, we'll, we'll get to our theory soon mm-hmm. um what's in the rest of planetos right and is there evidence of of this right right there, are there are other there, places? are there large craters are there you know are like what like what kind of stuff is it uh-huh and well maybe that's what is... happened to valeria maybe valeria got hit by a meteor blew up who knows anyway um, yeah but I just wanted to bring up, like, the symbolism here of that event of, like, the autumn moon. So, one, it's called the autumn moon. It's called, right. it's a moon. You have a, you have yeah, a we'll moon that. Yeah. that is, mm-hmm. um, and it says, like, like the lightning struck the autumn moon and split her mast. So, you have something hitting the moon and breaking it. Oh. You have lightning strikes the moon, strikes the ship called the autumn moon. Oh. The autumn moon, cra- like, the, the, uh, the mast cracks. You um, always get me with this shit. I never notice these details. Yep. And then you fucking come in here and you're like, it's split. I'm like, fuck. Yep. Fucking moon split. God damn it. Um, and then it says, we had lost sight of the sun chaser. So you they lost the sun. They lost the sun. The sun disappeared. Uh, so the moon cracks. The I've sun, read this section a hundred times, Gretchen. The sun disappears. <laughs> and then it, and then, um, and then the moon drowns. The moon, like the autumn moon sinks into the water. Yeah. So um, think about yes. things like the breaking of the arm of Dorne. And it causes people to die. The and it causes people to die. And, it, yep. and people die. Yep. So you have the moon drowning. And like, mm-hmm. if there was a series of meteors, there's a theory that like, maybe that's what broke the arm of Dorne. And there's another meteor hit the arm of Dorne. Like, like the mm-hmm. moon drowns quite a bit. And like, think yeah. of that as like the symbolism of like, maybe a piece of the moon landed in the water. Mm-hmm. Or like the moon drowning being like, you know, if there was once a moon in the sky and it got broken, it probably disappeared. You probably mm-hmm. can't see it in the sky anymore. Mm-hmm. Like the moon is also going dark. 
um, and dr- mm-hmm. you know, and like dr- he he talks about it drowning, and it's unclear exactly why drowning in particular. But like the moon, this is not the first time that you get the moon drowning. There's like mm-hmm. a scene. I'm thinking of um, when Tyrion is traveling to Slaver's Bay. There's that one moment where he's like on the boat and he sees like the moon reflected on the water, like this big. Mm-hmm. And he talks about how it's a big pregnant moon, big giant mm-hmm. moon that's on like on the water. And that's like mm-hmm. a drowning, you know, a pregnant moon yeah. is like a pregnant woman and mm-hmm. the moon is drowning. Mm-hmm. And, and the, you know, the pregnant moon, like if you take the mythology of the moon broke open and poured forth the dragons, mm-hmm. you know, birthing the dragons. Yep. Mm-hmm. And dragons are meteors. Like the other, the other moon symbolism that comes up a lot, or at least the time the moon comes up a lot, is ca- referring to Daenerys as a moon because mm-hmm. she's a moon wife, right? And and Caldrogo mm-hmm. is her sun and stars. It's that's it's that right. same mythology of like the moon. The moon is married. The moon wife is married to the the husband who's the sun, the sun king, right? And his moon wife. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm trying to think if there's any time she encounters water she's in a bath really she She does she does takes a lot of baths our girl takes a lot of baths Mm -hmm. but i don't think in any symbolic way Mm -hmm. well maybe the fact that she does take a lot of baths that she's always in water Mm -hmm. you know yeah she needs to cross the water to get to her kingdom Mm -hmm. i don't know um but yeah yeah mostly i was like it's it's about the the moon cracks and then you lose the sun is that's the long night like a theory of what how the long night started was like the moon broke and then you have a nuclear winter. I I have this like crazy desire that I hope that somewhere George R. R. Martin somehow hears our podcast <laughs> and here's how desperately we're trying to figure out what's going on in this story. G- give it to me, George, Come please. On, George. Please write the books, George. Please tell me. I want to know. Uh, we we obviously care so so much. Yep. Uh so yeah, anyway, let's talk about you wanted to talk about geography. I did want to talk about geography a little bit before we get into holes in his story. Okay. Um, uh, because we've talked about this before, and I kind of like, this is like the best story, I think, to understand the geography of Planetos, because Westeros, so it's cold in the north, mm-hmm. it's warm in Dorne. That yeah. means Dorne is near the equator. Yeah, closer, yeah. And mm-hmm. And we know where Alyssa's sailing is also warm. Like, they sailed south for warmer waters. Uh-huh. So, like, if you imagine a map of Planetos, which includes Westeros, part of Essos, and a little bit of Sothorios, we're talking, like, the equator is, like, towards the bottom of that map. Yeah. So, we have, like, a very, really genuinely small snapshot uh-huh. of what's on Planetos. Right. And I'm so curious, like, what's south of the equator? You know what? Besides what's around the world, but like what's south of the equator, mm-hmm. and how like how small is Westeros in comparison to the rest of the world? Because like, is it like like in comparison to other things? Is it the size of like England? Right. You know? uh-huh. Not not that it's as small as England because you can't travel as far as quickly. But uh-huh. I'm saying like comparatively. Right. You know, is it a big bulky continent like in a, like the Americas or is it like only the size of North America or is it only the size of Canada or is it only the size of like a Greenland or like like how like how tiny is Westeros mm-hmm. in comparison like relative to the rest of the planet, mm-hmm. you know, because we right. have no concept of like the hemispheres or where they end or anything like that. Nope. Yeah. There's no, so if, you, if you look at a map of Westeros, it looks like 
it's like a a very large England, like an enlarged England next to like mm-hmm. Eurasia. Yeah, yeah, it does. <laughs> but it's like, but if you took England and like at least like quadrupled its size, if not more, and then stuck right. that on the end of Eurasia. Well, um, you know what Westeros looks like. Westeros looks like someone took a, an eight by eleven piece of paper and drew a map on it. Uh-huh. And it kind of fits perfectly into <laughs> yeah. a piece of paper. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, I wonder why. I wonder why. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's hard to get a sense of that from like, okay, but like, yeah, how much of the planet is this? Mm-hmm. Is, so is, then, it, like, is it the equivalent of looking at our globe if we were to cut out this section of like our globe of like, you know, Eurasia kind of? Mm-hmm. Like, is it that? Or, and there's like, potentially a whole giant continent in between kind of where the Shadowlands are and wrapping around to Westeros. But, like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. So whether oh. or not it's possible for Alyssa Farman to have gotten, sailed west to get to Ashai is, like... Mm-hmm. <laughs> I want it to be true. We need more <laughs> input. <laughs> the other thing I want to say about geography was that there was a mention that on Sothorios, again, there's wyverns. We've talked about wyverns before. And it kind of occurred to me, like, of course... And if you look at a map, Valyria is kind of close to Sothorios. Uh-huh. Yep. So I'm like, oh, these creatures naturally occur in the warm climates. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, I get it now. Like, they're all, I. It's for me, it's more evidence that they're all related. Yeah. They're all kind of similar creatures that kind of evolved in the same-ish location. Uh-huh. And then maybe the Valerians bred them, you know. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh-huh. Yep. Um, so Thorios also has the, the, where it says the, the, the apes that rock, walk on two feet. Yes. That, so there are, whatever that means, George. Um, probably gorillas. Something um, like a gorilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, it says, uh, monkeys that walk like men, men that howl like monkeys, wyverns, basilisks, basilisks, a hundred different sorts of snakes. Um, deadly flies like again it's like oh the tropics yeah tropical places where like there are a lot of you know unique Mm -hmm. creatures and a lot of unique ways to die yeah (laughs) i just finished reading the poisonwood bible for a book club that i was reading i was and it's about it's about Mm -hmm. i don't know if you've read the poisonwood bible it's very very good book highly recommended Mm -hmm. um but it's set in the congo in what what is mm. now Zaire, but was formerly, or the, might even be the Democratic Republic of Congo. But, like, it was, I can't remember geography. I'm sorry, folks. I am very bad at geography. But um, in the book, it, the book is set in, like, the late 50s, early 60s. So at the time, mm-hmm. it was called Congo. And mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, there are <coughs> lots of ways for people to die here. Because mm-hmm. um, there are a lot more diseases. And, you know, there's malaria. There's, you know, sleeping sickness. There's... Mm-hmm. so and you read that here of like you know there's flies that if they bite you you die and it's like yep it's yep. It's, it's a tropical area like you're 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 reaching the equator and like that's mm-hmm. it's gonna be dangerous uh-huh <laughs> um uh, so you want to talk about holes in why would you not trust everything that eustace says he only what? describes like a year and a half's worth of time caroline well, and they're gone for th- three. Well. And I'm just curious as to what could maybe be left out or wrong about. I don't 
know if it means anything is the thing but like hmm. it's like the like basically like what he describes could not have taken longer than a year and a half if this was the only stuff that happened i guess the question is how we're measuring time so i i I would like to think that there's, like, more there that he's not saying, and mm-hmm. I think you could easily write that into, like, an adaptation. Right. That he encountered something, like, I don't know, what maybe when he was in Sothorios, he encountered dragon riders. Uh-huh. And he came, and he came back and was like, I'm not fucking te- we're telling no one yep. about this. Yep. You know? Um, because he maybe he realized, like, this would be, like, a big bad juju stuff. You know, we don't know a ton about mm-hmm. Eustace. To, to know how he would react to different things. So I think you get, definitely could fill out stuff that he would not report back. Mm-hmm. I think you could also probably flub it up to, like, what do we mean by three years? Right. Right? Because, like, they come back in 59. Yep, and they left on in the 56. Seventh, right, on the seventh day of the 59th year of Aegon's Conquest, so the very beginning of 59, seven days into the year. Mm-hmm. So they're a week into January when they get back. And they left in 56, and we don't know exactly when. Right, 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 right. Yeah, okay, so it could be, if they left, like, later in 56, it could be closer to maybe two and a half years? Right. And we don't, we kind of know how long. We know they were sailing for for 14 days before they started hitting storms, but then uh-huh. we don't know how long they were sailing while hitting storms. Uh-huh. And then they found the islands at which they stayed for at least a fortnight. Uh-huh. Uh, and then they separated. So we're talking of sailing time, if that's 14 days, and we know another 14 days, so that's a month. And then, like, an, maybe two two or three months of, like, actively sailing into the West, like, to be conservative about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he had to sail all the way back to the Southern... So then, so it's, if it's two or three months sailing West... It'll be that, and that's from Old Town. Yeah, it's got to take two or three months to sail back to hit Old Town. But he goes further than that. He go because he goes along because they had gone f- they had gone further south because he says they'd right. gone further south than we anticipated, and right. they totally so, missed the Summer Isles. So they have to go south south enough that they miss the Summer Isles so that when they head right. east, they hit Sothorios instead of hitting the Summer Isles. Right. So by the time they hit Sothorios, they could easily be like a year into sailing. Yeah. They could fairly be like, and then they spend a year. Then and they, then they spend a year there. So I, you could also, I think you okay. could flub the numbers to fill in the time. Uh-huh. I don't think it's the kind of thing that George like sat down and did day by day. Yeah. Uh, but I could see it going either way. Yeah. I, I mean, I also like the concept of like that he did some, some something super secret and he wouldn't tell anybody. Yeah. I read one theory about how like maybe they actually like sailed across the equator and like ended up on the east, like, ended up going around Sothorios and ended up on the eastern side. And I was like, conceptually, that's really interesting. But, like, that would mean that they were sailing the wrong direction. Like, that, like the, the person was yeah. theorizing that, like, they didn't split, you know, that, like, somehow they had ended up, that everyone had kind of ended up, like, not just Eustace, but, like, everyone had kind of ended up basically around whatever around the bottom of Sothorios was and had ended up on the other mm-hmm. side. And I was like, I, I like your idea, but but I don't, but that would mean that they weren't sailing west. Yeah, I, I don't think, that I mean, requires they, they have enough knowledge. East, actually, and I feel like you know yeah. the difference between east and west. Like, 
Yeah. <laughs> so Eustace doesn't seem like he's that great of a navigator, but the difference between East and West is a really big difference. Like, the right. whole point is that Alyssa Farman is sailing into the sunset. Like, right. quite literally sailing into the sunset. Like, that's the whole point. And right. you would know if you weren't doing that. <laughs> right. <laughs> if you were going East yeah. instead. I mean, they had... If, if, their star, if their ability to sail is anything like our ability to sail, sailing navigation became really advanced really quickly mm-hmm. and because of the ability to use the stars. So you can, like, mm-hmm. you know, find your location pretty pretty reliably. Right. The concept of them being further south than they thought makes sense. Yep. Yep. That's like, that's the kind of, like, flub that makes sense given the technology available. Mm-hmm. Um, but... I don't think I don't think they came around the eastern side of mm-hmm. so they would have had to go around they would have had to like change course. Yep. Yep, and go in the entire know? opposite direction. Right. Yeah, um, I don't think that that makes any sense. But I like the idea that maybe that there were things they saw that it, like that the, the holes in his story are maybe less about where they traveled and how long it took and more about what they experienced that like mm-hmm. you spent a year in Sothorios. Mhm. What else did you see, my dude? Like, what mm-hmm. else did you encounter? How cool would it be if, like, this, like, white patriarchy brain Westerosi man, like this lord, mm-hmm. was in the Sothorios and encountered, like, a civilization of Southern Islanders or, or Sothori- Sothorians? Sothoros? Pe- people in Sothorios. Sothorosi. Ooh. Sorthoros, George, why, why would you do this to my mouth, George? <laughs> them, but of people of color, yes. basically, mm-hmm. as dragon riders. Yeah. Like, and I would love to see him, like, first of all, realize, and like, maybe they have a very different civilization. Like, they don't have that feudalism. Like, maybe they have, like, a lovely, like, socialism. Like, we all want that. Uh-huh. And maybe they have, like, dragon socialism. You know, they enforce equality and equitableness uh-huh. with their dragons. And maybe, like, everybody has a dragon because everybody can ride dragon, you know. Uh-huh. And, like, the things he could have discovered and initially being like, oh, my God, I can't wait to get back and tell people. And then realizing, like, the the cognitive dissonance it would create in him or, like, the, the difficulty it would create in him to be, like, you know, because the Westeros, you're kind of, like, innately racist, right? So yep. he's, like, comes from a racist society. So we have, like, a race issue mm-hmm. and a classism issue and, all, like, all these things. And then to see these people be able to do this thing that only the Targaryens can do. Yeah. You know? And just, like, having to deal with that and the decision to not reveal that knowledge. Mm-hmm. I, that would be really interesting. Mm-hmm. That I, would be a story I would read and or watch. Yep. I like that idea. Did it ever cross your mind reading this that that area might have ended up in Sothorios instead of Valyria um because it like I don't think it's accurate but I could see why someone might read this description and go well maybe she ended up there instead it could have been I guess my only thing is I feel like if giant tummy worms was like a regular thing (laughs) we would know right you know, because, like, they don't know a ton about Sothorios, but they know, like, I mean, the maesters know, like, enough about it where it's, like, if she came back and had things bursting out of her, they, they'd be like, oh, yes, the Sothorian giant tummy worms. We do, in fact, know about this. Um, too bad, so sad, you know. I, I, I think it's probably, it strikes me as, like, or actually, I was thinking about this. I know we're kind of going long in this section, but I was thinking about this um, earlier. I'm wondering if the 
magic, quote unquote, mm-hmm. that we have associated with the dragons mm-hmm. and with stuff from Valyria was genetic. Mm-hmm. Like if it was bred, like the Targaryens yeah. bred what we would deem magic, more or less, into their breed of dragon and made them bigger and stronger and right you know, maybe from coming from the wyverns or something along those lines. Mm-hmm. Um, because that would track with if you have regular tummy worms in Sothorios that are like tiny and lay eggs in you when you die. Uh-huh. But in Valyria, you have like super steroid tummy worms. Yeah. That are giant, you know? Yeah. Like I could see there's like, it's like the same concept. It's uh-huh. just in Valyria, it's bigger. Yeah. Everything's, everything's just, bigger in yeah. Valyria. Everything's bigger in Valyria. <laughs> the Valyrians said, take that, take that chicken, but make it big. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, and... I kind of wonder if, like, that kind of thing is a remnant of the fact that there was this move by the Valerians to create these, like, large rideable weapons. Mm-hmm. And it, it got out of hand. Yep. And one of the ways it got out of hand is that now you have giant tummy worms instead of regular tummy worms. Yeah. No, I like that idea. I do. Yeah. Yeah. I think that... I've like I've seen people theorizing, but like I yeah, but like this this isn't the same, but like it's close enough that you can that you can make that kind of argument that that they were mm-hmm. like maybe you know we've got these fire breathing tunneling worm worms worms um worms and we've got wyverns that fly. What if what if we tried to make what? a flying fire breathing thing? You know, yeah. wouldn't that be cool? Yeah. Um. And then, you know, through the process of genetic engineering, crossbreeding, you, you know, by accident, oops, now our parasites are enormous. Oh, um, well, whoopsie doodle. Whoopsie doodle, I guess, I guess they're big ones now. The only thing that makes me wonder about that is, I mean, maybe this is where magic element comes in. Because the closest thing I could think, I mean, humans breed all kinds of shit and we breed things for you, but like, like dogs mm-hmm. from wolves, we bred every breed of dog that exists. Yep. And they're so, there's such a wide gamut of them. But when you do breed stuff like that, you end up breeding in health problems. And the dragons don't seem to have health problems Mm-mm. that we know of. Mm-mm. Unless maybe, maybe they're actually very short-lived and we don't actually know the lifespan of a dragon. I don't know. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe, maybe wyverns live longer. Yeah. And maybe, maybe wyverns and weirms live longer. Mm-hmm. Um, that would be interesting. I if if unit Eustace uh, encountered that in Sothorios and someone was like, oh yeah, this is like the family wyvern. It's four hundred years old. It's passed down from my great great grandfather. Uh-huh. It's like holy fuck! <laughs> I didn't know they could live that long. Yeah, like oh, there's so, it's so ripe for stories. So fire ripe for breathing stories. is just like allergies. <laughs> oh, he can't he can't eat that night. He's sensitive to gluten. Yeah. That night had gluten. Yeah, like like the. <laughs> Dragons have like really sensitive stomachs. They have to eat cooked yeah. meat only. They're yes. you know, they have their prone to digestive tract upset. Yes, you can't let them hunt on their own because they're gonna burn the sheep and they're gonna eat the hair. And the hair gets and then they have hairballs and then they're coughing up hairballs and fire. It's not a good thing. There's <laughs> <laughs> a dragon going, hey, hey, hey. What fire coming out is it's coughing? <laughs> I have a cat, so I'm imagining when my cat gets a hairball of just like <laughs> <laughs> and then just like setting my apartment on fire Little flames oh coming God. out <laughs> oh we're good good visuals oh, for you good, hbo good <laughs> times come on hbo this is that good shit you come know on. you wanna come on all right uh let's talk a little bit more about Alyssa farman 
One thing if that you insist. If I you insist. Know is I love the idea that Corliss was inspired by Alyssa Farman. Mm. That like Corliss Valarion, it says that he's six years old when yeah. this event is happening. Like a little boy hearing these stories of Alyssa Farman sailing off into yeah. the West that I'm just like, oh, dude, shit. Like Corliss Valarion yes. is Corliss Valarion because Alyssa Farman went yes. first. Yes. Oh, I love that. He was inspired by her. God damn it. He's a cool dude. I you love know, Corliss Valarian. He's a cool dude. And and to talk about the good show, Hot D, mm-hmm. um, the way they wrote him was excellent as well. And that tracks because he's the guy that like, he doesn't, he doesn't dislike that his son is gay. He just doesn't understand his son being gay because he loves his hot Targaryen wife so much. Yes. You know? So like this, this makes sense that like, he's like really into the accomplishments of women. Yeah. You know, he's not like his patriarchy brain in that way is kind of small. Mm-hmm. It's like I, yeah. I want to be just like Alyssa Farman and sail the seas and have a hot Targaryen wife. That, that yeah. like goals. Yeah. Oh my God, he, he just copied her life. <laughs> he just copied her life. He got to sail the seas and then had a hot Targaryen wife. Like, look, like Corus Valarian is just. <laughs> that his son was gay. He probably clapped him on the shoulder and was like, "You know who else was gay? Have you ever heard of Alyssa Farman? <laughs> <laughs> she was bitching. Let me tell you." <laughs> And of course, the maester's not going to say that, but it's hard not to get the implication that, like, when it's like, yes, Corliss was a little boy when this was happening. I'm like, oh, I wonder where he got his inspiration from. Yeah. I did have a question about the Corliss section of the text, because I forget if this comes up later. If it does, we don't have to talk about it. Mm -hmm. At the very bottom of 278, he talks about him going to a shy by the shadow. Yep. And it says, there he lost his love and half his crew, if the tales be true. Do we know what that means? No, I could not. I was like, who was his love? Did he love, love someone was... before Rainey's? I hope not because he, because his, his hot Targaryen wife. I mean, I mean, we'll get was... to his, his story will be described more later on. He was older than, like, unlike, like, the show made them the same age. But mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that, like, he's at least 10 years older than Rainey's in the story. If not more. He must be because if he's, he's six like now an and gap. she's... He's six now, and she's not even born yet. Yeah. There's, like, so at he least... Must, a, yeah, there must be. 10, maybe 15-year age. There's, like, a pretty sizable age gap between them. So it's possible yeah. that he could have loved someone else mm-hmm. in the source material that, like, if But he's why like, were they in a shy? Did his girl... Did his, like, his love... Well, we don't know if it was a woman, either. It just I was gonna say, love. did he have, like, a... Did he have a boyfriend? Please give me bisexual Corliss. Well, I guess we can't in Hot D, because he doesn't... I mean, he, maybe, he, maybe he was experimenting, you know? Uh huh. Who knows? Who knows? Listen, maybe it's like once you go dragon, you don't go back. You know that's fair. <laughs> <laughs> once you go dragon, you and don't maybe go that back. explains it that he's that he's like, look, look, my son, I too dated men, mm-hmm. but then I had a hot Targaryen wife. Right. And like once you have a hot Targaryen wife, like what are you gonna do after that? I mean, exactly. you can't get any better than a hot Targaryen wife. <laughs> Yes, headcanon confirmed. Adopted. Done. That's it. <laughs> Bisexual Corliss. <laughs> Bisexual Corliss confirmed. <laughs> so, uh, I personally do think Alyssa made it to a shot. I agree. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Good. And then like, she became Quaith somehow. Yeah. I saw some, like, I saw some theory at one point that was like, maybe she's Melisandre. And I was like, what? No. But, like... I see what you're trying to do with the name thing. Like people, like someone was saying, like it, it's it's like 
Alyssa and Andrew, Andro, you put them together, you somehow get like, and I was like, okay, I see what you're doing with the whole name thing. But Mm. like, what would be the point of Alyssa Farman being Melisandre? Like if she, like, at least if Alyssa Farman is Quaithe, I can come up with some kind of motivation for her behavior. Yeah. But if Alyssa Farman is Melisandre, I'm like, what the fuck is she doing? What that the, doesn't make any what sense. What the fuck is she doing? What, like, what, why so, would she? Why would she become a red priestess of Relor? Yeah, and side with Stannis. That doesn't make any sense. No, I did. I disagree with that theory. But wait, okay. What do you think about her being Quaithe? Why do you think she would be Magic Lady? I I don't know why she would become Quaithe, but if she, mm. for whatever reason, she did. I mean, you like you kind of have to say like, well. Maybe she really cared about what happened with those dragon eggs and is trying to help Danny. Like it's still- that's true. Oh, I hadn't even thought about the dragon eggs. She's the reason. Yeah, Daenerys has those dragons. Oh, I didn't even think about that. Um. Yeah. Huh. That like maybe she. I feel like you have to fill in. You have to fill in a motivation, but it's easier to fill that in with a like. Well, Alyssa Farman had a Targaryen girlfriend and is like potentially invested in breaking you know in danny's magical destiny if danny's magical destiny is to like it also depends on what you think the magical destiny is right exactly hmm i definitely think quaith is not just like a rando yeah you know like quaith Quaith has too invested in daenerys's like life Mm -hmm. to just be like a random like magic lady from a shy right you know right and the fact that she, i feel like the fact that she wears a mask is like there's symbolism in like the red lacquer mask mm. but also oh. like who i love the red lacquer mask it gives me chills when i think about it yeah but also what like if you wear a mask if i read if i'm reading a story and there's a character with a mask i'm like who is it why are they hiding what? who's behind that mask are you Tell wearing a mask so i don't recognize you like yeah, I could see like if I was gonna just like sh- like shoot the shit right now and and come up with something, I would say like Alyssa moseys her way over to a shy by going west around the world. Maybe she discovers shit on the way. I don't know. Mm-hmm. There's no timeline for her because whatever happens, she becomes something like a mortal because right. Daenerys is so many hundreds of years later, um, or she's speaking to Daenerys from the past, right? Uh, mm-hmm. You know, which is also possible. A shy seems to have more more magic than Westeros. Yep. And whatever form of magic that is, whether that's the red magic or, I mean, the old magic, whether it's all tied together, whatever. And, I mean, maybe she just, like, gets really into, maybe she has, like, another girlfriend or something and she gets really into magic. But it would be interesting if she discovers that her stealing those eggs has, like, is going to have actual real-world implications. Mm -hmm. And if she feels bad about that. Right. Because she might have thought only Targaryens can ride dragons, so if I sell these to the Pentoshi Sea Lord, who cares? Yeah, I'll get a lot of money for three pretty stones. There's nothing, nothing gonna happen. Mm-hmm. And to find out that, like, no, what you did is like a critical part of like the history of the world now. Right. I would also be invested in that at that point. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like one of the other. Yeah, it's. I could see how Alyssa could end up being Quaithe, but yeah, there'd have to be some magical life extension, which we know is possible because mm-hmm. Melisandre is also very old. 
Yeah. Um, we know that Blood Raven's been around for a real long time, and he should definitely be dead by now. Um, mm-hmm. That being attached to the Weirwood is, like, both consuming him and keeping him alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and we know Quith doesn't seem to be physically there. She seems to be, like, she's like a natural projection. Yeah, that, like... we can tell. She does... Right? Danny does meet her physically when she first gets to Karth, I think. Or maybe not Karth. We don't. We don't know. I think we don't know if that's physical though, because only doesn't only Danny speak with her. She never speaks with anyone else. Yeah, as far as I remember. recall, I can't remember. It's been too long since I've read it. But yeah. but I would believe you I, about that. But like, she yeah. definitely does show up in astral projections for sure, and is primarily like an ethereal being of some kind. Right. Um, I mean, she could physically be there too. There's no reason she couldn't be. Uh huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. I feel like one of the other candidates for Quaith is potentially Shira Seastar, which would be interesting. Um, yeah, but I like Alyssa Farman. But I like better. Alyssa Farman better. <laughs> Most like Shira Seastar, you have to make up stuff about how she got to a shy. Yeah. Um, the more, like, to me, the interesting part about that is that there are lots of rumors about her being involved in magic and the mm-hmm. fact that it would mean that it's what it means that Bloodraven is also involved in this conflict. Right. Um, and they were supposedly know, just... lovers and in a bond opposite sides. But, like, Alyssa yeah. Farman is interesting because we know that she's in a shy. And, or, like, and, we and don't know. It... We have really good, we have some pretty strong evidence that she made it to a shy. I, I just like the tie of the person who, who made those dragon eggs available to Daenerys is uh-huh. also part of, yep. part of helping her you know, realize who she is mm-hmm. and, and you know, not trust people and giving her hints and stuff like that. Yeah. And, like, why Quaith is so, like, like, prophetic about it. Like, like she's not, like, she doesn't say things straightforward. Big question mark. Uh-huh. So if it is Alyssa, I think if it is Alyssa, magic did something to her noggin. Yep. Magic did some some noggin stuff to her. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe, you know, like, warlocks of the, un- the undying kind of way, you know. Yeah. Um, drank some drink yeah maybe like the process of like being immortal like fucked her brains a bit uh-huh and she's and she's like the mummer's dragon what is that not clear come on <laughs> the sun sun the sun sun kraken and dark flame how did you did you read the rest of the book come on yeah. <laughs> the glass candles are burning daenerys get your shit together come on Good. don't you come understand on. glass candles Come on! You know what I mean. Look, Dorne Martell is the, is the king of Dorne, you know, is the prince of Dorne, and he's a son, and so the son's son, do you, do you yeah. not understand that this is Quentin Martell? Get it? Like, what the fuck? Oh, Mummer's Dragon is confusing. Why? Oh, because you don't know if the if it's a Mummer's Dragon, like it belongs to the Mummer, or or if it's it's a fake dragon. Okay, that one is a little unclear. Uh, that makes sense. I'll go back to the drawing board with that one. I'll be back. <laughs> She, like, delivers her message, and she's like, shit, that one really didn't make any sense. Disappears, and she's like, where'd she go? She's just, like, behind a building, like, trying to come up with a new way to say it. <laughs> hmm. You're right, prophecy so, is a, prophecy is a, two, is, a, is a sword with no handle, and you try and grasp it, and it cuts you. Ah, um, uh, damn. <laughs> she just waves her hands at Daenerys, and she's like, remember who you are! <laughs> Disappears. Perfume Seneschal. What do I need? What else do I need to say? There. Uh. What do you mean there are multiple Seneschals? What do you mean? <laughs> what do you mean you don't entirely know what a Seneschal is? 
There is one main character who is the perfume seneschal. Come on, Daenerys. These are these other ones are side characters. Jesus. <laughs> Where is your copy of the Storm of Swords? Get that for me. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> What do you want from me to show you the way? The way where? Um. Anyway, yes, I I like the idea of Alyssa Farman being Quaithe. I think yes. it's fun. Um. You want to talk about more about Winter and the Shivers? Yeah. Um. So whenever I, whenever I read that, so this is one of those sections where it tells you that like, um, in the north, um. It says that, like, old men... Oh, yeah. Um, uh, old men bade farewell to their children and went out into the snow to die so their kin might live. But, like, this is a common mm-hmm. practice in the North that, like, when food stores get low, and I think we talked about this before at some point, that, like, the men are just, like, gonna go hunting. Bye, everyone. And, like... They, they go out for a pack of cigarettes and never come back. Yeah, yeah that, like, they're yeah. going off to die. Um, that mm-hmm. they're, like, sacrificing themselves so that their family can live and, like, they just, like, wander off I, into the snows I, and die. I don't know how much I believe that that actually happens. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's really rough to kill yourself. Yeah. So I, I it's really not something that, like, people do on the rig. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I mean, it, I'm sure it happens sometimes, mm-hmm. but because it's talked about a couple times, but I feel like that's more like a north propaganda thing than anything yeah we're so noble like, that our men go out into the woods and sacrifice themselves to die for we're, their we're families. so tough we're tough and scary and different than you yep and we're noble and we uh, love our family i mean like it's re- it's it is like really noble it would be a really noble thing to do mm-hmm. um well i mean even that actually I, I i question myself there because like it reads noble but ultimately what you're talking about is like dad's gonna go kill himself so that you can survive the winter like that's that's not good killing yourself is not noble right right so it's like oh you know um, i don't know how much i believe it actually happens yeah i like that that is that it's like north propaganda i think it is <laughs> um what's interesting is is like i think of it now every time i read game of thrones about ned mm-hmm. going south yeah it has that same kind of that same kind of vibe you're right the same kind of vibe is like He's the man who's going out, you know, he's like leaving mm-hmm. the castle so that his kids will survive. Mm-hmm. Um, and what I like about that is how much it fits with what you were just saying, because like, this was a bad idea. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's just like a terrible. Yeah, idea. this is a terrible idea. You are a very bad politician. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, it. Sure, your kids survive, but, like, at what cost? Like, they lose their dad, and, like, yeah. in that same way of, like, what what does it really ultimately help if, like, the father of a family goes off into the woods and dies? Is like, well, cool, mm-hmm. but you just left your kids without a father. Right, exactly. You just left your family without, like, someone yeah. who could help provide for them. Like, maybe instead Plus- of going off into the woods and dying, you, like go off into the woods and actually try and hunt some shit and bring it home for your family. Mm-hmm. Plus, like, like, it's okay, like, to be old and infirm and need care. Yeah. Like, that doesn't mean we should, like, 
just kill you. Like, yeah. you know, uh-huh. it's not, it's not like you suddenly lose your humanity because you, you now like don't have the ability to work. And like, I don't, I just don't feel like it jives with the way Northerners are. Yeah. Like Northerners are like very, at least the way they're presented in text, they're very protective of each other. Mm-hmm. They're, they're like, you know, staunchly loyal, honorable. They're like, they value these things that are like, like family stuff. Mm-hmm. And they stick together. And the concept of, like, exiling someone into the snow is really just just awful to think about. And it doesn't really jive with all that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I think it is it is very symbolic, the way Ned leaves yep. and never returns. Like, that 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 rhymes. Yeah, yeah. And, it, rhymes. And, his, and his children do survive, but, like, again, at what cost? Right. Exactly. And, like... Ned's death kicks off the children's journeys to being what they are, and like mm-hmm. they're pretty harrowing for each of them. Um, he should have brought Catelyn with him to King's Landing. Oh my gosh, yes. Come on. Um, she was the politician. She was the brains behind that operation. Oh my gosh, right? Yes, uh. yes. Cat Stark <laughs> was the politician. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely the politician. Oh man. But she's a lady, um, so she can't. I like your note here about building fires to fight off the cold, which is the opposite of what they did with Arya. Yeah, this was about the shivers. Yeah, yeah the shivers. That like it's a, it, it's unfortunate because the, the shivers sounds like some kind of flu, maybe a tuberculosis kind of situation, <coughs> something like that. Mm-hmm. And if you have a fever, even if you feel cold, you're you should be doing things to try to cool the body, not heat it. Yeah. So they were kind of doing the opposite. They were treating the symptom like, oh, you're cold. We're going to surround you by fires or, or put you in really hot bath. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no, actually, this person has a fever. You need to bring the fever down. Yep. Because a high fever can kill you, which is probably mm-hmm. how a lot of these people died. Right. Yeah. I mean, yes. Yeah. Like a, a high fever can like cook your organs. Yeah. Human bodies. Human bodies should only be within a specific range of temperatures. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you you have you get a little toasty in there. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's, and it's sometimes you're full of worms. Yeah. <laughs> sometimes you get a little toasty. <laughs> uh, but yeah. It's anyway, like it's it's the, one yeah. of those where like we've talked about this kind of like battle of ice and fire, mm-hmm. you know, and like this is like the kind of the inverse of what happened with Ari with with Arya, where like she gets so hot they have to use ice. To cool mm-hmm. her down, I mean, it doesn't, it fails, but they try and freeze out whatever is harming her. And in this, it's mm-hmm. like everyone's so cold that they're trying to use fire to like burn it out. And like, it's this mm-hmm. like battle over like, you're too cold, too hot, use the opposite, yeah. you know, fight back with the opposite. Like once the war between ice and fire has started, like they become like, they get in this perpetual conflict. But mm-hmm. Well, the shivers is even more just like in and of itself. Um symbolic because it is it, the shivers is fever and chill mm-hmm. so it's it's both ice and fire yep yeah like within the body uh-huh. oh it's a metaphor uh-huh. i get it george i get it <laughs> and the battle the battle of ice and fire is gonna kill everybody like it kills the host when they get the shivers i fucking get it okay <laughs> <laughs> oh i love him and i hate him so much yep um yep mm-hmm. <laughs> Our girl, Lady Lucinda. Uh, okay, if I was going to adapt her story, this is not how she dies. <laughs> she, false. Fake news. She has to have a better death than that. Uh-huh. She needs I, something more 
frankly cinematic than getting sick <laughs> yeah this this was the death that made me the saddest i was like oh lady yeah. lucinda we love her oh she's great she and her husband died from the shivers and the red dog must be very sad mm-hmm. yes um but he's too busy dealing with jaharis <laughs> Yeah, that's right. He's the one that sees Jaharis get real mad, and he's like, I saw some of his uncle in him. Yeah, and I'm like, wow, cool. Too bad that's never going to get brought up again. No one's yeah, going to remember. Slide that, right like, past that one. <laughs> Jaharis is just as capable of, like, brutal violence as Uncle Magor. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it's about power, you know, and not about, like, people individually. It's about what what happens when they have power. I don't, know. I don't know what you're talking. I don't know what you're saying there, Gretchen. That's, that's, that sounds that sounds almost like a theme. I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, our good boy, the conciliator, who, I mean, rightfully so, was mad at the people who killed Rago Draz. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they did do a murder. Yeah. Um, I don't but, know whether people needed to be disemboweled and hung from the yeah. walls to keep about it, but like, I don't, I don't think so. I don't think so. Um, I don't know. Why Why do you think he... Oh, I think it's an overreaction. I think it's fair to say it's an overreaction. Why do you think he overreacted? So my first thought was like, this is about a sense of helplessness in the face of plague. Hmm. Maybe. That you're like... He can't, he, he can't control that, but this is something he can control. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, my second thought was... Um, that this happens right after Eustace Hightower comes back and wondering mm. whether he's still feeling kind of spicy about those dragon eggs. Mm. He probably is still feeling spicy about that. Um, That's true. That's true. We know that he's real obsessed with getting with, with Alyssa Farman. And now she's like gone, gone. That, like, yeah. Now she's like gone, gone. And so I was like, yeah. is he maybe just like looking for a reason to take something out on somebody? Hmm. I could see that. I li- I like that. I prefer. I actually prefer your headcanon to mine. What's yours? Mine is just that they were that this was his boyfriend and that he was. Oh, mad. I like that too. But, yeah, I know. But all my headcanons are gay. Not everyone can be gay. There are straight people. So. <laughs> straight, Caroline. <laughs> oh yeah, that's not fake. Um, I I mean my my only headcanon was like he he overreacted because Rico Draz was so important to him, yep. and. But that could be a lover situation, that could be a friendship situation. But I actually like your version of it, where it's like, it was less about Rego Draz and more about the stress mm-hmm. of, the, of the moment that he was under. Yeah. And the fact that, if you think about it, like, because think about, like, filming this scene. It, the text describes that he comes, like, they, uh, you know, tell him what happened. He goes out with some of his king's guard to see it, to look upon the corpse. And he turns to the crowd, he's like on his um, horsey. He turns to the crowd and he's like, like, you will tell me, like, who would, here, let me just read it, because that's better than me trying to remember it when I'm holding the book in my hand. Um, he turns, he wheeled his horse about and shouted at them, I would have the name of the men who did this. Speak now and you will be well rewarded. Hold your tongues and you will lose them. Many of the watchers slunk away. But one barefoot girl came forward squeaking out a name. So he threatens that crowd. And a bunch of them leave. They just are like, okay. Like, they don't take his threat seriously. Mm-hmm. Like, if he, he said, if you don't tell me, you're going to lose your tongue. 
and a bunch of them said bye 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 uh-huh. <laughs> and 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 left and one kid one kid came forward everyone else stayed silent they had one snitch out of a whole crowd and i think like that coupled with like uh-huh. you know what I mean, like that coupled with like the stress you were talking about, like he's already in a position where he's not able to control all these things that are happening, mm-hmm. and he was more or less just ignored by those people. Yeah, you know? when you put it like that, it's like also he was kind of blatantly disrespected. Yep. as a king, that like here's this situation where like he's threatening people, and it feels like a bunch of people are like. Pfft okay jared they're like oh yeah sure uh-huh bye yeah you're gonna take my tongue out i'm gonna go back to flea bottom bye <laughs> yeah Ooh, i like that too that there's you a know? level of like um threatened masculinity or mm, threatened power yes. involved here that like he just had like he's also overreacting to like prove that he means it mm-hmm. like but he doesn't take anyone's tongues no he doesn't so it was an empty threat. He didn't mean it. Yeah, that that part was, was an empty it. threat. I think there's also a level of like a, a a class scare. Yeah, because the the common folk stood together, mm-hmm. and almost certainly not all of them were named. Like the girl knew her dad was involved, mm-hmm. and they found like a few more. But like this, Rico Jazz was like jumped by a mob. Yep there were almost certainly more people involved that did not get named mm-hmm. at all. And it seems like the girl probably named them because she didn't like her father. Yeah, right? Like, yeah, yeah that's the vibe I was getting. Is that, yeah. like, it's highly likely that her dad was not a nice person, not just Right, like, that. he was just a dick in general, and she was like, oh, my God, I have my chance. Yeah, like, I can, he I can was involved, and I am more than, you know, and this is an opportunity for me to be safe and free and, like, get a way out mm-hmm. of whatever the situation that she's in, and so. Yeah. But that, like, maybe if he'd been she, a nice dad, this might not have happened. Right, exactly. I think I think that's the case. And, like, the the, the fear of the fact that, like, I, the, the Dragon King, right. told you to do this, and you all, you all collectively refused me. Yeah. Right, which, it's almost for it's kind of foreshadowed for some stuff that happens during the dance. Right, which means that like she talked to Jaharis then not entirely not really it wasn't really about his authority as much as it was about right. her own circumstances. Right, it was about the opportunity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I like that. Yeah, but she'd make a great point of view character. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I really, I really like the idea that like he's, that this, like, this is such a clear overreaction. Like this is, Mm -hmm. and that there are many reasons why he's overreacting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh Uh-huh. But that a part of it is the like, no, I'm serious, guys. (laughs) No, really. You have to tell me, please, please tell me. Uh The, there are, I'm going to find out because there's video cameras in this alleyway. And I'm going to check on. So if you tell me, but if you tell me first, I'll give you stuff. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. And it, um, this was something I was going to bring up um, in the, like, who gets shafted section. Because I think Brago Draz is, is definitely the character who gets shafted in this section yeah. the most. Um, yeah. So we can just skip to that because that's kind of where we are. That, like, mm-hmm. um, this re- this scene reminds me so much of that scene in The Clash of Kings. When mm-hmm. there's the riot in King's Landing and Sansa is almost raped. Yes. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, they, you know, because it, 
But like at that point, you also then have a king with an easily wounded pride. Like, yeah. I'm not saying Jaehaerys and Joffrey are the same person. I'm just saying that like it again, it like rhymes where you have like Joffrey's response is literally like kill everybody involved. Yes. Um, Joffrey's like someone someone posted something mean on Reddit. I'm gonna go to their fucking house. Yeah, I want to like tell me who it is and I'll kill them. Like Jaehaerys yeah. isn't that bad, but it's leaning that direction of like, y'all killed my friend. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me who it is. And then instead of just like reasonably punishing them, he overreacts and is like, I will disembowel you bowel you and hang you on spikes. And it's like, Yeah. Whoa, I mean I guess you Next. could do that, Jaharis. Like that's a yeah, I guess yikes, that's a choice buddy. you could make, yeah. but like seems like a lot. Um yeah. in that I what Alisan thought. Yeah, right? Yes. Her her perspective is suspiciously absent from this whatever happens here with Rego Draz. Um mm-hmm. I have a feeling that she probably um gave him a lecture afterward. <laughs> my my guess is that he made those decisions without her input. Yes. I agree. Like, like he, like, it had already happened by the time she found uh-huh. out. And she was probably like, what the fuck? Yeah. You know. Jaharis, this is not sense. how we solve problems. Yes. Jaharis, sweetie, who? Like she, she comes back from, like, the fucking market or whatever. She's like, Jaharis, whose bodies are on the battlement? What's going on? <laughs> I leave for five minutes and I come home and there's bodies everywhere. I- just needed to i ran to the store to get some dragon treats you know and <laughs> i come back and there is bodies on the battlements what am, why are they disemboweled <laughs> <laughs> absolutely what happened absolutely. 100%. yep yep i, I believe it um but good for her for knowing it for wanting to take care of this little girl i will say the one thing alisanne does yeah. in this section is like be a nice person and i love that yep. for her yep yeah, that definitely that she's like all right this poor little girl needs the, needs a home now so i will mm-hmm. take her into my kitchens um she's or like, stables shit, whichever killed... she wants shit we killed your dad uh you want to stay here mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah yeah oh oh my gosh so this is my fun thing i like the idea that like kitchens or stables is like a gender option what's what's your gender expression, <laughs> little girl are you a horse girl? Do you want to go hang? Are you a horse girl or are you a domestic, you know, or, or are you like a yeah. bread girl? I'm definitely, my gender is definitely stables. <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a stables. <laughs> That's the, you know what, Gretchen? We've come full circle. We started with the question, what is gender? What is gender? The answer is stables or kitchen. Stables or <laughs> kitchen. What's your gender? Stables or kitchen. <laughs> my gender is stables. <laughs> And I don't know that this little girl's gender is kitchens because right now she is thinking with her stomach and I want that for her. Mm, yes. Smart decision, though. Yes, smart decision. Yes. This is smart. This is less about gender than it is about practicality. And she's like, we are in a famine. I want to be where the bread is. And I'm like, yes, you do. The smartest character we've encountered so far in the story. Mm, right? <laughs> oh, man. Uh, we talked a bunch about connections to a song by some fire, but we also have... Um, the, the fact the fact of a plague the fact coming. of a plague the fact that a plague happened so plagues happen every now and then yeah in, uh westerosi history and in human history uh-huh. as well um so I, I but i don't understand what could possibly be foreshadowed with the concept of a plague coming to king's landing and killing everybody yeah the, 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 that, that you have this be? time of tension and and there's not enough food everywhere and winter's really bad and 
and then a plague comes to make things i i mean right like that just that has nothing to do with the fact that, that has nothing to do with the fact like, that john mean... connington is currently as of the story sailing on his way to westeros and we know for a fact he's got grayscale i don't know what the what that could possibly be <laughs> <laughs> he just needs to exfoliate caroline of course i forgot i forgot that we have got to just take it off i tried just taking it off have you tried just cutting off the grayscale just go to the special effects department and say this that you put on me can you take it off and they'll get out the makeup remover and they'll you know they'll peel it and you're good just take it off oh god it's one of i'm sorry everyone this is one of my favorite just like i hate it about the bad show is like You know how you cure a deadly disease, you know, like a deadly and or disfiguring disease? You just, mm-hmm. you just peel it off. Take it off. <laughs> I don't, I don't see the problem. Sounds like, you know, just drink some rum. Yeah. And get a, get a novice who, to do this without wearing, when he's not like wearing any protective equipment or anything, uh-huh. or no modern medicine and just nope. take it off. Nope. Just, just. Yeah, peel that grayscale grayscale right off. But anyway, yeah, this is Chekhov's grayscale. (laughs) Yes, it's it's the biggest Chekhov's grayscale. I mean, the only thing more Chekhov than Chekhov's grayscale is fucking Chekhov's wildfire in King's Landing. Yeah, that's like the I'm like, (sighs) like yes, King's Landing is just like on the verge of like a plague and then burning. Like (laughs) this is what's gonna happen in King's Landing, folks. Yep. And I bet you anything that fucking Old Town's not going to burn because he keeps playing with us. Uh-huh. <laughs> if if George R. R. Martin doesn't burn Old Town, it will be like the biggest, the biggest tease. Yes. Oh, it will be um, the biggest tease. But yeah, anyway, yeah, I was just like reading this and going like, oh, like a grayscale is going to come sweep through, sweep through Westeros. Like a bunch of people are going to die as the others are coming. It's going to be chaos. <laughs> Uh, grayscale is also one of those symbolic diseases too, like the shivers. That's the other thing, because grayscale yeah. turns you into stone, which is like turning you into ice, mm-hmm. freezing you, um, like the shivers does. And it, but it doesn't kill you though. You just become it can a stone kill man. you, but like you also become like yeah. But like the other option is you become a stone man, and the stone yeah. men are like symbolic others turns you into like yeah. icy. You know, I was gonna say because they're like alive but kind of not. Yeah, and they're like. In their own special section. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, Grayskull. I, I like Grayskull's disease. It's very interesting. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a really cool concept. Um, um, all right. Well, I think we pretty thoroughly did that. Yeah. Uh, in just under two hours. Cut clocking in. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, man. So if you guys want to email us, our email is houseoffireandbloodpodcast at gmail.com. Our Instagram is houseoffireandbloodpodcast. And um, um, next, we should, next we, time, yeah, we should say what we're reading to next time. Um, yeah, we should decide what we're reading to next time. I was thinking two ninety five. Oh, there's some cool pictures in this part. Yeah, there's yeah, um, there's some really pretty art. The one that makes yeah. Alisan look like she's like twenty and Jaharis look like he's forty five. Yeah, it's fine. Um. Uh, right after, like, top of page 295, after that, like, not a full paragraph. Um. The first, the first paragraph end? Yeah. Because, like, he's going to start building roads. Okay. So next time we're going to read from 283, the start of the paragraph is at the the last full paragraph on that page, 
starts with the old year ended a new year began and we're going to go through 295 uh the end of the first paragraph on the page it ends with um uh he bound the land together and made seven kingdoms one read the words of the plinth of the old king's monument that stands in the citadel of old town six six kingdoms no one is no one's thinking about <laughs> dorn we don't need to talk about me we don't talk about dorn no, no, no. We don't talk about George. <laughs> it's so true. George just like pops up and is like also here occasionally. And everyone's like, yes, the seven kingdoms. Don't yeah. worry about the one that we never talk about. It's yeah, fine. No, it's no, seven. It's just, yeah, it's good. We just, we just pretend that they're part of our, our kingdoms. And Dorn's like, whatever. As long as you leave us alone, who fucking cares? Mm-hmm. Um... <laughs> Anyway, yeah, that's what we're going to be talking about Rhodes. King's going to, he's got a new project next time. Oh, I love when he has projects, though. It reminds me of RimWorld. It always makes me think about RimWorld when he's building shit. I'm like, oh, Mm -hmm. I also love building roads. (laughs) When I'm stressed, I too build monuments. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, I grew up playing uh, like the Caesar games. Mm. Uh, which are city built you know city builders and like there's like a whole strategy Uh, for like how you build your roads so that yeah anyway if you if you've played caesar or the egyptian version which is pharaoh which i love that one because i like building as a kid i like building the pyramids um i've got egypt feelings uh more than i have like (laughs) greece and rome feelings Gretchen, you're a queer person. Of course you have Egypt feelings. <laughs> we, we all have Egypt feelings. Also a kind of goth, which explains, you know, I'm like, Egypt, they have a, their religion is about death. Yes. It's very, it's, you know who would have loved that? Meg wore the medal. Mm-hmm. He would have been a big Egypt kid, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Anyway, um, <laughs> do you want to sign off? Yeah. So uh, until next time, remember, if you want people to be obsessed with you, just steal some dragon eggs and sail off into the sunset. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> and until next time, remember, if you call it a huge white leviathan, then you will not get sued for copyright infringement by the owners of Moby Dick. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Like it's not a white whale. It's a white It's leviathan. not it's a Leviathan. It's it's a magic whale. Yep. Okay. Yep. It's it's completely different. But they also swim in pods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Alright guys, thanks so much for joining us. Bye everyone. And we will talk to you next time. Bye. my microphone yes okay why are you so low because i'm low that's why are you my microphone are you my microphone so i'd like some more (laughs) i have an egg here that i probably will eat at some point so if you hear cracking and you see me eating an egg that's what i'm doing Um, all all sides if it it looks like an egg and sounds like an egg it's probably me eating an egg (laughs) (laughs) egg i'm old (laughs) egg I dreamed of the summer. <laughs> <laughs>